Hello, and welcome to The Feminine Gathering, a judgment-free and safe space to share stories of collective healing and to liberate the divine feminine within us. I'm Deborah, And I'm Gemma. We're your hosts, and together we've created this space to welcome you to listen and chat with us as we discover how feminine and masculine archetypes play a role in our lives as we navigate these energies together. We explore how to step into our personal power by expressing our authentic selves. The Divine Feminine has been suppressed for far too long, and it's time we come together to set her free. This is more than a movement. This is a paradigm shift. Thank you for joining us. And as this is our podcast launch, as a thank you, we're giving away one healing and coaching session with me, Gemma, and one tarot reading with Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering, and we'll choose two lucky winners. In this episode, Deborah and I talk about the pain body and the awakening of consciousness in daily life. To start, I've taken an excerpt from a book by Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth, which says, No one can go through childhood without suffering emotional pain. Even if both your parents were enlightened, you'd still find yourself growing up in a largely unconscious world. That in itself is just like, wow. Like if you think about that pain body as the energy that's basically your unconsciousness and how that's then vibrating the energy of like what you're receiving. Yeah, and I think it it actually makes me think of just like when people talk about the wounded self, I feel that's how I would understand it. We understand like the part of you that's still not healed and where that all comes from. Yeah. It's interesting because I think you read something from that excerpt that sort of stood out to me because it's true how, for instance, like I have Eva, my daughter, and I consider myself to be pretty conscious at this point in my life, more conscious than others around me. And I try to be as conscious as I can when I'm like raising her and, and I'm talking to her or like I'm teaching her things, even though she's just two years old. But either way, it's the, like start a base. I even like argue with my husband about you need to also be conscious and aware of what you're doing because these are things that are going to affect her. And then enters this fear of like, okay, well, that's us and we can teach her all these great things, but what happens when she goes out into the world? You understand? Yeah. And it's so interesting that you just read that because I think that's definitely something that it's in the back of my mind and I know I can't prevent, but it's kind of scary. At the moment, I just don't know how I would deal with it. And obviously I can't, it's in the future. Mm-hmm. So there's really no point of worrying about it. Yeah. But it's still like one of those things. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's going to happen. And I guess I'll deal with it when I get there. But it's just kind of scary to think about. Yeah, I can feel that. So that's referring back to the excerpt that said, nobody can go through childhood without suffering emotional pain. Even if both of your parents were enlightened, you would still find yourself growing up in a largely unconscious world. And I guess that's less to do with parenting and being conscious as a parent and how you're raising your child, but more so about the unconsciousness of, of the world around us and the collective of that. Yeah, because it hurts. Like, have you ever been in a situation where you're trying to do the right thing and you're being honest and you're being sincere and you're just expressing yourself and just like the other person on the receiving end or the other people on the receiving end are misunderstanding you and like twisting your words or like just not really getting it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but this is just like a feeling of like, 
what am I doing wrong? Like, am I not expressing myself right? What is it that I'm doing that's not making them understand like where I'm trying to come from? And it's just a very frustrating thing for me. Actually, it still happens to me even like with my own friends and family where like I'm trying to explain things from like a very sincere and open and vulnerable place and it still comes off as wrong or like it's twisted and people think that it's manipulative and I'm just like oh my god am I not communicating this effectively am I not making sense and it just really like shatters you to a certain point because you just think that maybe you're not as conscious as you think you were or maybe you're not as good as expressing yourself or communicating and then I think you slowly start to realize that it has less to do with you and it has more to do with them and their understanding because of the point of that whole thing where you say like most of other people are unconscious and it's sort of like a wall you understand there's some sort of barrier there that just isn't allowing them to really empathize with what you're saying or what you're doing if that makes any sense I know that is a very vague example no I think it's fantastic I think it's a really really valid and expressive point and as you just said it says more about them than it says about you and we have lifetimes of ancestry of triggers and trauma and unconscious patterns that have been programmed into our psyche and even at like a conscious level there's going to be unconscious triggers that show up for us when we're engaging with people that we can't understand somebody else we started this off talking about the pain body and like that pain body is going to feed off other pain bodies so it's like if you surround yourself with positive people and there's like that collective there then the pain body's not being fed. But I guess that some people at some level, I definitely identify with this with people in my family, for example, that have had a lifetime of trauma. And to try and bring a conscious conversation and express how you feel, even when you're kind of like navigating that conversation as consciously and like lovingly as you can, I'm not in control of how they receive that because of their programs and their pain body essentially goes into defensive mode. It's like, I'm not good enough or you don't love me or what have I done wrong? And it triggers that fight, flight, freeze response, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like how our brains are programmed. Our brains are programmed to to keep us safe, to not open up to love and this kind of like collective harmony of consciousness. And it gets so frustrating though. I think it's just to be the minority. And I mean, it's so weird for me. It is really weird because my experience already has been a very odd experience in the sense that like as a woman I'm a minority as a Hispanic I am a minority especially in the United States I grew up in Miami where like the Hispanics are not really the minority but in the United States they are and so while I was growing up I never got that sense of feeling like the minority as a matter of fact I actually felt like part of the majority and then it wasn't until I left and then lived in another part of the United States where I really understood like what it felt to be a minority if that makes any sense and then I wake up in the sense of like awakening and becoming conscious and escaping that sort of survival mode. And then I feel even more like a minority (laughs) and I'm just like, oh, okay, how do we do this? Like, it's already hard enough as it is as a woman. And then you add on all the other minority statuses and it gets harder. And then you become conscious and awake and it's supposed to get easier because now you're finally like out of survival mode escaping the matrix so to say and then it just feels like it just got a shit ton harder and I'm lost in this little pool of like 
hundreds of thousands of people that I don't feel very in sync with. And it's just very hard to navigate through trying to find others who are also like me. I mean, look at us. Like, you're literally across the Atlantic. <laughs> you understand? And it's just so hard to connect to people in our immediate sort of environment and try to connect to that at that level and share these experiences and feel like we're not going crazy, if that helps. But then... I don't know. I think it all then goes back to the pain body, as you said, and the trauma and these unconscious triggers and all that. So it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot. And we talk about like divine femininity and what that means. And you can't have divine femininity without awakening your conscious awareness. And that conscious awareness that's being awakened has been suppressed. I know. For generations and generations. And I completely feel you to walk out into the world every day to have that sort of deeper understanding and connection with people isn't like the common theme. You know, what is most comfortable to people in the world is to wake up every day and turn on the news, to wake up and be sort of delved straight into that negative spiral, which is essentially reaffirming the pain body. And so that pain body is becoming more activated from that negativity. So how do you step outside of that? I mean, I I don't watch the news personally, which some people might find quite shocking. I don't necessarily know what's going on around me. I mean, I, I know about it because of what people say and what people talk about and you get the general gist, but I've not watched the news for about 10 years. And here I am still going about my day and about my life, you know, without that sort of negative connotation first thing in the morning or throughout the day that's kind of bringing me back into that negative spiral. But yeah, I mean, it's deep rooted, isn't it, in all of us? And it is about that awakening the consciousness collectively of the planet through these conversations, through awareness, through those conscious choices that we make every day. So if we think that the pain body is that sort of negative grasp of emotions, that it's almost clinging on to that like ancestral pain and the trauma and, and the sort of negative side of the battery, I suppose, then the opposite of that is then conscious awareness and the ability to work through to reprogram and create healthier habits. Yeah, no, I agree. I think many of us or most of us at some level are aware of this. Like we understand that change needs to happen in order for us to heal or like some sort of changes needs to happen. I'm not sure how many understand to what level or how to do it. I know for me personally, one of the biggest hurdles has been changing and maintaining my position among family members and friends who just don't necessarily understand what's going on and then taking it a certain way and having to cut certain connections. Like you said, these negative energies from our environment, like our surroundings and able to actually heal and grow. And it's funny that you say that you don't watch news because I don't watch news either. And for my husband, that's crazy. He's like, you have to be informed. Like, I'm like, I don't have to be informed. If it's really important, I'm going to get informed because bad news, especially, travels super fast and it goes and it kind of just feeds into all the social media outlets that can possibly exist. And then somehow or another, it gets fed through conversations. So trust me, if it's something really big, I'm going to know about it. Now, all the other stuff that happens on a day-to-day, I don't need to know about just because it's all negative news. You turn on the news station, you're not seeing positive news all the time. I know they try to kind of like weave it in there 
like in sporadic, just like these moments of like, hey, look, somebody saved the dog today. Like, I don't know. But honestly, it doesn't off put anything else that I just watched. And one of the hardest things to do is to stop feeding into that myself. And not only that, like as we're talking about something general there, news, which everybody can watch and can kind of choose whether or not to continue watching. But then what about at a more micro level? Like how do you disassociate from that type of negativity in your life? And that gets really hard when it comes down to your friends and your family, right? Because you can't just turn them off. I mean, to a certain extent, I guess the argument can be made that you can, but then there's the sense of like obligation or like family ties or like responsibility and like kinship and all these things that kind of come into play, which you start to question what's a good balance to have then, right? Like how do I maintain my relationships with my family and friends, but then also keep a distance from them in order for me to proactively heal and grow and then not have them take it personally if that is a thing (laughs) right yeah I don't think there's any one size fits all or any correct answer to that issue and I think it's one that a lot of people that are on a healing journey that are establishing their own identity outside of the unconscious world that we live in will have those challenges like I certainly did I'd probably say around seven years ago when I started to want to grow and develop and invest in myself I had to kind of take myself away from a lot of friendship circles and even family situations I just know weren't serving me it can be quite isolating to do that, you know, and it's not completely closing the door, but it's kind of pulling it a little bit tighter closed to kind of have the room to figure yourself out without those external influences, which how do you do that when really like the people that know you best in your life are the people that you want to go to for advice, you want their opinion, you want to hear what they have to say, but that might not always be what's actually best for you. Because really and truly, the only person that has your best interests at heart is yourself. And I feel like for me personally, part of that growth has been learning to trust myself, learning to listen to myself, but also having to, like you say, you know, be aware of the other people around me. And I don't know if I've just been completely blessed or if if this is part of the process, but like as a collective, my family hold a lot of trauma. And as part of, I guess, my journey of like self-healing and awakening awareness, the conversations that I then share with people in my family it seems to spark something in them as well which when you see that sort of like glimmer of hope or that shift in perspective and it can be so small but it can change their world we constantly project don't we onto each other you know how we're feeling about our day is a constant projection so like when I pick up the phone if I speak to you Deborah then I'm projecting my energy onto you yes and you're then taking that energy to everybody that you spend your time with in your day or your week or your month or your year and we all do really if we're changing our own energy and focusing on ourselves that energy is going to project to the people around us yeah I completely agree with that it's just I think part of the process is learning how you show up for yourself and how your energy shows up and how it affects others and then how also you allow others energies to affect you and I know that's definitely a thing for me just because I know I'm very sensitive to other people's energies I read people like books and it's so annoying sometimes because it's not like I actively choose to I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody 
I just know, I just feel. And it's like an intuitive sort of like knowing already at this point. I read the room. I'm really good at reading the room. I'm really good at reading people. And all of a sudden my demeanor completely changes to match that energy because I don't want to be the person who comes into a room where people are feeling a certain way. And then I'm like the optimistic, like, come on, guys, like, let's all like do whatever, or, you know, like try to change it up when people are allowed to feel and be in their energy as they are, you understand? And I just don't like to be the one that disrupts that or disturbs that. Like for me, it just doesn't feel like my place. So I end up most of the time just sort of like absorbing whatever others energies and just kind of chilling with it and just kind of being with it. And then later on, I have to figure out how to get out of it, which is always fun. But I don't think we realize how often that happens with others and how we present ourselves really will affect others and their days, like you say, which is why I think that that saying about first impressions are so important. I kind of get it now because it really just is a whole idea of like your energy, like how are you vibing with the other people or how are you vibing with others around you and how that comes off. And what that means to them and what that can mean for yourself too. But it's never easy because I don't think that we realize that we do it. This whole idea of projecting. Like, I don't think that we realize how much we really are projecting constantly on a daily basis and how that really does affect our own demeanor and the demeanors of those around us. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think there could be a sort of a plus and a minus on both of that. If you're carrying a lot of heavy, dense weight for want of a better word along with you you know because of something that you maybe haven't processed or ancestral trauma or just something that you're going through right now then the chances are that goes back to that pain body right that that pain body is going to feed off other pain bodies so it's going to find more things to be frustrated about to be angry about to be anxious about and on the flip side of that if we can reprogram that way of thinking and regulate ourselves back to a, a state of calm regulation emotionally what we then take out into the world that is going to be projected back to us will be a lot calmer it will be more loving it will be more nurturing it will be whatever our state is at that time it makes me think of there's an old saying it's like the world is your mirror so like if you step out into the world and, and you smile at somebody someone's going to smile back at you if you wave at someone they're going to wave back when you say hey they're going to say hello back so it's almost that you kind of get what you give and oh yeah I think the world is the reflection and I think we're the mirrors. You know, we can kind of choose how we want that reflection back to us. But that does come back to our ability to self-regulate. And how to self-regulate, I mean, isn't the kind of stuff that we get taught in school. It's not the kind of stuff that you have to educate yourself on at college. It's (laughs) tools and techniques that we learn along the way that work for us. So you were speaking about kind of taking on the energy of other people then how do you protect your own energy? What I've done in the past is A, understanding that that's not my energy. Let me put some context. So my husband's family, I've had to do this with because they're just a different group of people. I don't want to necessarily categorize them or put a label on them, but I just know that when I'm with them, I absorb that energy and it tends to be more on the negative side of the scale and so what happens is that I've had to learn especially with that situation that when I walk into that room I'm gonna feel it a so I'll accept the fact that it's gonna happen 
be that it's not mine. And I think I have to remain conscious of the fact that it's not mine. And so when I'm there, and while there are moments of like high energy and like bursts of like fun and stuff, the underlying sort of like base is still kind of low on the vibrations. And it's just trying to, in my own head, grab onto these higher bursts of energy and just kind of really stay in that moment and try to flow with that as long as I can. And then I think the other thing that I really did was just kind of go with the flow. So whatever it was, whatever high or low energy, whatever was happening, if it was really low, I just didn't participate. It was very like I stayed in my little corner or on my side or wherever I was. And I did a lot of just agreeing and nodding and just, yeah, you're right. Oh, no, I understand. Oh, that must suck. Just like affirming because they're like letting out all these things and they want somebody to listen to them. So I'm listening and I'm not there to opine. Like I'm not there to give advice. I'm not there to try to change their mind. And I think that's something that really helped ground me, like understanding that I'm not there to do any of that. I'm not there to help them because they don't want my help. Because if they did, they would ask. They're not asking. They're just speaking. Right. And I think they're just seeking validation. They're wanting to feel validated. And that's what I do. I kind of just understand that that's what they're looking for. And unless they ask me to do otherwise, I just sit and say, okay, because I do see their point and from their point of view, what they're going through and what they're feeling and why they're acting the way they're acting. Like, I get it. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I get it. So I just kind of come back to that and I just kind of fall into like, I'm not going to really participate in this. I'm just going to listen. And then when I get home, I just try to do like anything to kind of ground myself back, like a good shower or like talk to my husband about some of the things that I was feeling, let it out in some sort of way where like, I kind of just, I'm able to like, let it go because it gets really heavy and you just don't know what to do. And then knowing that you have to do it all over again in a certain amount of time is just draining. So whatever I can do to either ground myself or release it in either verbally, or I'm sure people like to write things out. I don't really particularly care to, but I do say it out loud. So even if nobody's listening to me, I'm just like talking to myself out loud so that it's just going out into the world. And I'm just like, okay, I'm done with it. And that's how I kind of reset, honestly. But I think in the moment when I'm in it, it's just not actively participating in that energy just sort of sitting back and letting it be and letting people do whatever it is they do. Obviously, if I was ever in a situation where things got dangerous, it would be a different story, but it's never like that. It's just a lot of words. That's me personally. What about you? What do you do? God, it feels so heavy, (laughs) doesn't it? To take on that energy, even just to share it. I can sense the heaviness of that on you emotionally. My heart was pacing. Like I felt like an increase in my heart rate. I can feel it. I can really feel that for you. It's it's a lot. And the fact that you can kind of sit there and affirm their pain, but not participate in it. And I guess like the flip side of that is that we have to participate in our own rescue for ourselves. We have to participate in us being conscious of us nurturing ourselves and our mind and our bodies to be the best we can without taking on the heaviness of other people's energy that doesn't correlate with that right what what do I do I've always heard about like breath work and meditation and it wasn't really until a few years ago that I started to understand the psychology of what is actually happening to your brain when you Mm -hmm. meditate and when you breathe so like when you breathe you're taking in oxygen just taking a deep breath 
in through the nose and out through the mouth, like immediately sending oxygen to the brain. And suddenly you can think clearly, right? right? Mm -hmm. And so for me, as simple as just like breathing and being out in nature and taking some deep breaths really helps me to regulate. And even in times where I'm not triggered or I'm not necessarily feeling heightened, it's like that is rewiring my brain from the immediate stress responses to being one that is a lot calmer and then meditation has also really helped me so whether or not it's during a time of like heightened stress I can just sit and really like meditate and we talk about meditation people think it's like this complex thing like how do you switch your brain off like we're not trying to switch our brain off we're trying to just sit with ourselves and like sit between this space that like isn't quite sleep but it's also not fully conscious that literally reprograms your prefrontal cortex in your brain. It's proven in, in neuroscience that that consistency in meditation opens up that capacity for your brain to retain memory, which mm-hmm. through trauma is essentially reduced. That part of your brain function doesn't work as well when it's constantly stressed, when it's gone through trauma. So those two things for me actually have been incredible, more so since I knew about the psychology of it. Because before knowing that, I was just like, oh, breathe, yeah, whatever. You know, like we breathe every day. <laughs> but like we really don't breathe properly. I know that. So deep breath work. And I guess just having that ability to just kind of come back to myself, to breathe, to meditate. I really enjoy reading a lot of like self-development, like spiritual psychology books that just kind of help shape things for me and put things into perspective and eating good food, you know, like nourishing my body. On the flip side of that, like if I'm stressed, if I'm in like a heightened stress state in the city or there's stuff going on, like I tend to just stuff down my emotion. I'll eat crap food. I'll drink alcohol. I will just be like in this avoidant pain body and there will be a point where that has to just kind of switch for me and I have to just nourish myself because it's like how far down do you go (laughs) that is a good question how far down do we go I don't know like how bad do we let it get till we rise from our own kind of ashes you know I think we let it get pretty bad honestly I know at least speaking from my own experience things tend to get bad but I mean is that bad letting it get bad is it bad Or is it part of it? Like, is it part of the growth process? Is it part of learning? Is it part of like recognizing your patterns to become aware of them and change them? So it's just one of these things where it's like, you kind of just have to accept that that's how things work. Feeling bad is part of the whole process of then being able to feel good, if that makes sense. And it's okay. You're going to relapse. You're not always going to feel 100% every single day. You're not going to, like you said, when you feel bad, you kind of just don't necessarily nourish your body or you probably drink more alcohol than maybe you tend to or whatever. But I guess that's normal, isn't it? For us in this society, isn't that how we just tend to cope with things? And then if it is... Isn't it okay then to kind of relapse and then kind of reset again? I don't know. Is it? I'm not sure. Yeah, I definitely think that there's that element of like being kind to ourselves and not beating ourselves up when we do something that is, and I hate to use the term self-sabotage because like, what does that even mean? Like, yes, we live in a society where there is so much happening in the world around us day to day, whether or not it's family, your career, children, just life. There's a lot going on and there's a lot of 
stress triggers. So like, however you respond to that, whether it's unconsciously or consciously, like the other day, I consciously ate a takeaway and, and drunk some wine. Like I made that yeah. conscious choice. I was stressed. It was what I wanted to do. And I really thought it through. Mm-hmm. Does it make it like better or worse? It's like that kind of gentle kindness of like, that's okay mm-hmm. to do things that aren't always the healthiest choice. And maybe sometimes that is the healthy choice. You know, what does self-care look like? Sometimes that does mean treating yourself to like a gorgeous dinner that might be full of stuff that isn't very nourishing and having some wine that might be what self-care looks like for somebody on one day but I think it's a really nice point that you make it's just like not being so hard on ourselves all the time and it's like your greatest flight comes after your hardest fall but we always get back up and that's what matters right is that no matter how hard you fall that we always know we can get back up because we got back up last time right and life is never going to be like a salient upward journey. Like there's going to be hurdles constantly. Nothing in life is straightforward. We never know what's around the corner. It's part of the beauty of our human existence, right? Mm-hmm. But it is about how we, I guess, how we really show up for ourselves as we navigate this life. Yeah. And that is a big question because I don't think we really, we don't really even know how to answer that. A lot of us, like you said, like so many of us are just not at that point. And I think that's a question that we have every day. Like, how do we show for ourselves? Who are we? Who are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to do? Like, what is our purpose? You know, all these things. And then I started thinking about like how you said right now about like self-care and be kind to yourself. And I can't help but think about the people and even my myself because I've definitely done this where like if you mess up on something or you don't do something the way that you think you're supposed to how you feel like you're just betraying yourself or like betraying somebody else or like just betraying your beliefs or not doing something right and then you just go back into like this whole like negative feedback loop of I'm not good enough or I'm not doing this right or I can never do anything right or you know I'm never gonna get out of this you understand and it's really hard because I definitely have found myself doing that how can I sit here and say that I'm conscious and then I end up doing all this stupid shit again. But then it's like what you say, you have to be kind because it's all a process. I can't pretend that just because I'm more conscious than I was years ago, that it's all going to be smooth sailing and it's going to be easy peasy and I'm just never going to mess up. It's being kind to myself and allowing myself those moments and understanding that those are moments for me to sort of recognize, you know, maybe some sort of pattern or a trigger and kind of learn and grow from that and just try to minimize the times that I do go back into whatever toxic or unbecoming pattern or trait that I may or may not have. I definitely feel like the conditioning of the human mind and how we can fall into like those patterns, no matter how aware or not we are of them, is part of us being human. We can't take that away. We can go through various programs and self-education and self-healing to self-regulate and to reprogram our beliefs really that have been conditioned you know since we were children but there is like that other side of it as well which is just being here now and we spoke about this earlier about like present moment awareness and how impactful that is you know we spend so much of our time I think worrying about the past or the future and, and probably a lot less time just being present and how do we do that you know how do we stay as rooted as we can in in what we have right now 
I think that's a big question that it's not easy. And I think for me, I know for me personally, it was practicing mindfulness in whatever way I could, but what necessarily works for me and what necessarily works for you may not work for others. And I think that's the most frustrating part of everything, right? It's just knowing that there's no one size fits all. And you as a human, as an individual have to figure out what works for you. And I think that's what's frustrating. We have all these self-help books. We have all these self-development things. We have all these podcasts. We have all these social media and these resources and there's not one single methodology that will work for every single person and everybody is here trying to figure out what works for them and it's just very frustrating because what might work for one doesn't work for them and then they feel like oh then this is probably not for me or I'll never get it or I just don't understand it and that's so sad to see that and I've seen it And it's sad because it's like, no, but you can, but then because there's not like an outline or like a Bible of this, like everybody kind of just freaks out because there's not one answer. How do you do that? Like, how do you then figure yourself out? How do you self-regulate? How do you become mindful? How do you become aware? How do you grow conscious with there's so many avenues and there's so many resources? Like, how do you do that for yourself? It is such an exploration though. And I think that I mean, for me, that's been a very positive influence in my life, that navigation, the constant reading, the listening to podcasts, the conversations, the seminars, the endless self-help tools that are actually out there. You know, there is a lot out there if you go to find it. And I Mm -hmm. think like for me, there's a few books that have been really influential in helping me really put my jigsaw together for what works for me. And that's been part of the journey every like self-development book that I read kind of helps me navigate onto something else and I think that we always come to where we're at in life just when we're meant to be there yeah we pick up the book when we're supposed to read it there's a couple of books that I could really recommend there's one by Nicole LaPera and it's called How to Do the Work and that was a game changer for me it talks a lot about self-regulation and trauma and she's a psychologist And she shares like so many tools and techniques. And it is that like then that kind of navigation and and the self-healing that comes in that. And another one was Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. And I'm now reading his second book, A New Earth, which we spoke about earlier. But they came at a time when I was ready to read them. And there are those tools out there. And it's an exciting part of the journey, I think, to explore that and find what works for you. And when it does to know that you've got the ability to really bring yourself home and do that, give that kind of gift to yourself. I think you're right. And I think it's important. And I think it's also important to know that sometimes you won't find an answer to it in a book. And that's okay, too. I miss better reading a lot of self-help books. I guess a book for me or the game-changing person for me, which is funny because I didn't think that he's particularly known as the self-help person or anything like that. And he was a professor back in like the 60s and 70s, I believe, Joseph Campbell. And he was a professor of mythology, not of mythology, but he studied mythology in, in its meaning from what I understand, the way that I interpret it is like, how does mythology play a role in culture? And for me, that was, I think, when I read the book, The Power of Myth, and it was an interview with Bill Moyers and Joseph Campbell. And that book for me has just been so illuminating and understanding this idea of personal mythology and understanding what that means for you as, a, as an individual and you finding your own mythology, your own belief, your own religion, your own whatever it is that you want to call it and living by that. And that doesn't come from a book that comes from your experience. And I think that book for me really helped me stop looking for answers outside of me 
and really helped me focus back on myself and look for answers within me. Because I think what I tended to do was read these books and look online or do all this research for some sort of answer as to how to grow or how to heal or how to do all these things. And while like they have been helpful because you expand your knowledge pool, which is great. The choice is mine to choose how I proceed with the information that I have. And I think understanding that because of Joseph Campbell's teachings and his works, which I even still listen to some of the podcasts of his lectures from like back then, and just sort of understanding that at the end of the day, you are your own authority. And it doesn't matter how many books you read. It doesn't matter how many lectures you go to. It doesn't matter how many seminars you attend. It doesn't matter how many gurus you study under. It's you. And it's what you choose to do and how you choose to do it and how you put your own flair into it and and what that means to you and how you express yourself and how you interpret things and how you perceive things. And that's all part of your personal myth. And that's okay because that's how it's supposed to be. And I think for me, that's been the most illuminating thing in my life. And I've actually reduced the number of books and things that I read, because I just kind of want to go through it, if that makes any sense. Like, yes, I like to learn about it. And I like to know about these things. And it's interesting for me yeah, I'm to make the decision. And I just don't want it to be very influenced by others. I kind of want to go with my own intuition and understand what that means for me. And that's been very hard <laughs> because it gets confusing and you do tend to self-doubt and question yourself and am I doing this right or is this how it's supposed to be and then again it goes back into like be kind to yourself and it goes back into this is learning and it goes back into like what's my trigger what's my trauma the pain body like it goes back all into it feeds back all into that and it's been very hard for me but I'm very grateful for it because I see the difference in between who I was and who I am now and how I respond to things and how I interact with people and the level of connection that I have with people. And this is definitely the path that I want to be going. This is definitely feels more like me than anything else I've ever done. Up. So it's kind of beautiful. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I really, really felt everything you were just saying. It feels so self-affirming to, to say the words, all I need is within me. It's in all of us, you know, in each and every one of us. And it takes courage, you know, it really does to step outside of everything else that confines us externally and to really seek the answers here in our own hearts. It's such a gracious gift that we can give to ourselves to allow ourselves to like navigate the world in that way. And yeah, I just think that's really beautiful. I think that something resonated there, what we spoke about actually a few weeks ago about like the books, you know, there's a lot of theory out there and not necessarily theory, but other people's experiences and what they've learned, which is I find really nourishing to draw into but then we have the practical right the living life every single day like what's really happening how we really navigate that as we grow through it and, and learn from it and it's a constant evolving journey you know this this never ends and I think that's part of the beauty of the gift that we have of life all we have is now and we can choose how we see that yeah and not only now all we have is ourselves right yeah we have family and friends but at the end of the day it's us how do we decide again to show up in the world how do we decide who we are and what we want to be and the answer is within you all the time yeah just learning how to activate it or access it Mm -hmm. or access it to then activate it that makes sense yeah Mm -hmm. definitely that's yeah 
Beautiful. And we'd love to hear from other people that are like listening in what that looks like for you. You know, how do you activate and access that inner truth? Yeah. And what are your hurdles? Because I'd love to know other people's obstacles because I know we're not the only ones dealing with these obstacles and obstacles come in so many different shapes and forms. And I'd love to know, like, what are those obstacles and how you overcome them? Because again, it's all about expanding knowledge and using that to then make decisions. So let us know. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything that we've spoken about today that you would love to share or that's kind of sparked something in you that you'd like to share with us or or share with the audience here, then we'd, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing this space with us today. And if we've resonated with you, we'd love to know. And if you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and you can find us on Instagram at The Feminine Gathering. And remember, as this is our podcast launch, we are giving away one clarity coaching or healing session with Gemma and one tarot reading with me, Deborah. To enter the giveaway, all you need to do is take a screenshot of our podcast and tag us on Instagram and we'll choose two lucky winners. And until then, let's continue to navigate this new paradigm together.